Welcome back. Um, so we've got Lucy Eden with One Scott Deal, um, and we've got the second half of that, and we'll play it for you in just a minute. But first, we're going to chit-chat and catch up, and then we'll play it. <laughs> so I have a note on here because I wanted to talk about, you know, last week I mentioned I went to a Lizzo concert, and they had uh, one of the dancers from her show, Lizzo's Big Girls, do it, I think, or Lizzo's Big Girls. They had one of the dancers up on the stage, and she was fantastic. And I was like, I asked my friend that I was with, I was like, have you ever watched the show? And she was like, yeah, I watched all of them. And I had never seen it. As much as I love Lizzo, and, you know, I just never watched it. So have What's you seen that? that the re- it's, it's She has a reality show. It's called Lizzo's Big Girls. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on there. Like it won an Emmy. Like it was, they were, she was at the Emmys the, like, like maybe a month or so ago. And oh, they put it on Amazon. It's just for on Amazon. I guess so. That was the place that said to watch it when I looked it up. So I went on there and did it. And, um, I was started the first episode and I realized I couldn't really watch it with the kids in the room. And it's uh-huh. not that like, it's not that it's bad. I mean, I would love to see them. It's the, you know, body positive and stuff. But she, like, my husband even said something. He was like, damn, she has got a foul mouth. And I was like, yeah, it's like, motherfucker this, motherfucker that, bitch this, bitch that. And I'm like, I don't care if my kids hear me say it, you know, but it's like, it's like every other word. One of them, one of the dancers, somebody was saying something and it was like, shit, maybe we should like yeah. pause it's this It's on Prime too, so it's free. Yeah, so... I don't know, you know, and I started watching it and it's like, it's kind of a rea- reality show, obviously. So it's a little produced. It's a little like kind of set up for drama and stuff. But also, but my friend was telling me like, it's got a really great, you know, body positive message. And, you know, the girls that are on it, she said, you know, Lizzo said, I only want big girls that can dance. She was like, that's what I want on stage when I'm performing. That's what I need. So that's what all the women are that are on it. So like I said, I watched a little bit of the first episode and it looked really good. And I, I didn't know if you had seen it or not. So I guess I had not. never heard of it. No, I can yeah. imagine, you know, I can run and jog and stuff, mm-hmm. but I cannot dance that long. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, I it takes a lot. And do a 5K, but mm-hmm. I can't dance like these girls dance. I mm-hmm. like fall over. It is a full out, but it's like, it's head to toe and it's everything. And they're just like, and it's not only just being able to do all these motions really fast and on point, you know, and like on key and everything and just doing everything, like you're hitting all your stuff, but it's doing it with like charisma that gets me too, where it's like, you look happy, you've got energy, people want to be you, you know, it's like this whole appeal to it while they're doing it, that fascinates me where it's like not only are these women who are plus size are up there shaking their asses they're doing splits they're doing like you know flips and stuff like they're doing things i could never do with my body and yet they're just it looks effortless when they do it and they just look like badasses having the best time of their lives when me if i saw lizzo i'd just be like i'm going to die now (laughs) (laughs) So, 
I mean, it was just, it was really cool. So I don't know if anybody's seen it, just let me know what you think. Cause I'd love to know more. Um, I'm, I want to watch it, but like I said, I probably have to do it without the small children in the room. Like my eight year old's like, wow. <laughs> you know, when we're watching it doesn't it. say it's rated R, but it says 16 plus. Like yeah. I wonder 16 and older to watch this. Oh, I didn't know it had a rating on it. Shit, I should probably check that out. I was like, I, I only looked because I was. On. I was trying to see if maybe a, if it was from a channel, like not. Oh, if it was from. Is it produced me. by Amazon? I yeah, that's what I was trying to see, but I didn't see any label on it. So know. it must be produced from Amazon. I guess so. But, you know, so I flipped from that and then I decided um, to finish what episodes were left of Love is Blonde. And please tell me you've watched this show since the last time we've spoken. No, I haven't watched it yet. I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Listen, I need to have an entire podcast about this show. What is it? What is it even on? It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Okay. Yes. It's like number one. When they have new episodes, it goes to number one on Netflix. Which makes you not want to watch it. I know what it is. It's like it's so hyped up where you're just like, I don't want to do it. I know how it is because I'm the same way and I get it. But this is literally our loves, Melissa. We write these stories. This is what we do. And it's and, and it's reality show. Like this is all of it's our so interests weird. are pushed together. There's like, I don't know why there's a few shows I don't watch that have a lot of hype around them that are reality yeah. shows. That's yeah. one of them. This is the only reality show I watch. <laughs> That's how you should know it's good. It's the only one I'll sit through. Or maybe it's, it's the opposite. I'm like, this is the only one she likes. So it's I'm trash. Totally <laughs> no, it's terrible. You watch season one, you <sighs> will love it. You'll love it because the couple that gets married on it, you will love them. They're so good. I follow them on social. I, I know. Think. That's what I'm saying. And watching them fall in love is so sweet. It's so sweet. But anyways, I'm going to spoil a little bit. So if you, uh, today I have, let's see, what's today's date Um, in real time? Shit, what is the fucking date? Oh, it's the 7th. So, all right. So this will air and it should all be done by then. But just in case you don't want any spoilers from Love is Bond, fast forward a little bit. So I'm going to tell you about this couple, okay? Um, I cannot remember her name now. Oh my God. I, I remember playing. you told me some about the girl that was working out and the other guy. Yes. And- okay. So the girl that the workout girl or whatever name's Raven. I just remembered his name's SK and he was the one that is Nigerian and she is like Pilates queen, like obsessed, works out. She's a trainer and stuff. She looks fantastic. She looks in great shape. So, um, Anyway, so they show, you know, the episodes and stuff and they're going through it. And at first I wasn't sure if they would actually get married. And one of their big like things, I think, did we talk about this last time? Yeah, we talked about he is a doctor. He's a student. Yeah, a he's student. getting, yeah, he's going to get his master's or his PhD or something. He's going back to Berkeley to California to get, um, I think that's in California. I don't know. <laughs> um, Berkeley? I believe so. Okay. So he, yeah, that, I think that's right. So he's going back to get like his degree or whatever. So he's going to be a student for a couple of years. And she just seemed like really hesitant. She didn't want to move with him to California from Texas. She wanted to keep her apartment, but she expected him to like contribute to it because they were married. And, you know, I mean, there was a lot of it. Like I kind of understood because she was a pretty like self-sufficient woman before him. So she was like, look, if we're going to enter into this, then it's a partnership. And she probably has clients. Yeah. And so, and to her, I think it was like, 
okay, if we're going to do this, it's going to be 50-50. When he can't conceivably give 50 because he's a student now, you know? Yeah. So his lifestyle's changing. And she was like kind of unbendable to that. But so as the filming goes on, you know, you see their relationship grow. And you see that like she really forms a bond with his mother and their family and stuff. And she kind of submerses herself in their Nigerian culture and she makes it a part of their wedding and she wants to like, you know, incorporate all of it in their families and stuff. Excuse me. But her family is really just does not want to be a part of the TV show. Mm -hmm. So they won't come to the wedding. And it's not that they don't love her, but she really has like an aunt, an uncle and her mom. And I, I think maybe she's even an only child. I can't remember, but it's like, her grandmother's sick. Her like uncle's having a baby like any day now. And her mom just doesn't want to be involved in the TV show. And she's like, and I totally respect that. She was like, it's just not a thing for us. But that really upset SK that her family wasn't going to be there. And she didn't have that support. And she's like, you know, just because my friends that'll be with me aren't blood related doesn't mean they're not important to me. Yeah. So we get to the wedding day. And again, this is all still spoiler stuff. If you're tuning back in to check, I'm still spoiling. But um, they get to the wedding day and they and she's like, this is it. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm so in love with him. And she walks down the aisle and they say these like really beautiful vows. And and he goes like it's his turn and he speaks and he says, I can't marry you. (gasps) I like literally gasped out loud in my living room to where my dog started barking. Was it because our family wasn't there? He said that it it was to him. He said, I love her so much. And he said, and I don't want to hurt her. He said, but I feel like if we got married, my shortcomings, my everyday shortcomings would tear us apart. And he was like, I don't want to. And it made like, I thought it was really beautiful the way he said it, because he's like, she will constantly want more than I'm able to give. Like as a student, I won't be able to fully support her. I won't be able to be with her full time. Like I will be in California. Like, you know, we'll have all these obstacles between us. And I feel he's, I feel like I'll be constantly letting her down because I can't give her what will make her happy. And he said, I feel like that will hurt more going through this and slowly watching her become unhappy than doing what, we have to do right now and just say, let's not get married today. So I'm so curious because like I went on her Instagram and she is like, she like did a big happy birthday thing. Even after he said this at the altar, she was like, can I have a hug? And he was like, yes. And he just like wrapped her in his arms. And it was like, you could just tell they're still so in love, you know? And so I'm just wondering if this is like his way of saying, let's just date for a while while I'm in school, you know, or until I finish school and then let's do this for real. I don't know. Like, I'm so, so torn. On it because the romance author in me, yes. to me, that is saying, and I hate to say this, mm-hmm. love isn't enough. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like that's reality though. Sometimes that, you know, love isn't always the only thing that's going to keep you together. So let me tell you, love ain't what keeps my ass here every day. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, for real though, like, 
I just I hate the concept, the idea, but it's true that love isn't enough. So I just mm-hmm. don't want to talk about it, I guess. I because know. I have to admit that. That it's reality. That, that is know, true. I don't think that. It was just like, it was devastating afterwards because she went back to like the bridal room and she was crying and she was like, I would have said yes. I would have said yes to him today. But I wondered if he's. I think he's right, though. I think she would have, it would have been two or three months down the road. As you said all those things. Yeah. I was like, that's exactly how I think I would feel. Yeah. I think I'm a very clingy, but not Mm -hmm. clingy person, if that makes any sense. Like, I can be super, like, in my own bubble, but then Mm -hmm. when I want my husband's attention, he needs to be there to give it to me. Immediately. And if he's not, I will yeah. get upset or whatever, like mm-hmm. frazzled or whatever. And maybe she's he can see that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think it was like, you know, I, he like I said, he, you know, the way he said it was really sweet because he was like, I feel like my shortcomings will just hurt her over and over and over versus this one hurt of not doing this today. And that was just like, oh, shit. Like, I mean, and the thing is, is that, I mean, from the beginning of this show, SK has been so calm, so peaceful, like really in touch with his intelligence and his emotions. So this wasn't like just a, no, nah, I don't want this crazy bitch, you know, or whatever, like, or she's just money hungry. But this wasn't like, he was very thoughtful and compassionate the, about he did, how he did this. At the same time, I'm thinking you don't think. I'm capable of doing this with you. Yeah. I thought about that too. You don't think, you don't think that I can ride with you. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, maybe he knew her well enough to know that that would not be okay with her after a while, you know, that he didn't think she could, but I thought the same thing too, at least give her the opportunity to try to try to live it. But I guess for him, it was just more serious than that. You know, it wasn't just a, Oh, let's try this and see this was forever. Yeah. But I just, I love him so much. Like, I don't know. Like, I, there's just something about him. He's just so calm and peaceful and just thoughtful and caring. And he's like a book hero, really, because that's why I feel like, what if they, maybe they'll end up together? Because this, this is what about the episode. So on this episode, they did two weddings and they did their wedding first and he said no. And so that was the end of it. And then the, in the second part of the episode, they have another wedding and she said yes. And then it gets to him and what he's going to say and it cuts. And so now you have to wait till Wednesday. So day after tomorrow, they're going to drop the last episode. So on, or the last two episodes. So the last two episodes are going to be the rest of the weddings. And then there's going to be a reunion show. So you get all of that at one time. So that's kind of nice because the reunion is a year later. So they've like filmed all of this already. And this is like, I guess it's like a year afterwards or something. I don't know. But so that's kind of neat. So we're going to get to see like, where are they now? And I'm really hoping that they're still together because both of them have, they still post on each other's Instagrams. Well, here's the thing to not burst your reality bubble. Give it to me. Yeah. They have very tight contracts. Even with Reddit, it's hard to get a hold of some of the information on these people. And they aren't allowed to post current things. Yeah. They have yeah. to save mm-hmm. their material 
mm-hmm. and post it with the timeline as you think it's happening. Like on the, the show. show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is part of this contract mm-hmm. whole thing they have worked in there. Well, here's, here's what I would counter that with is that they're posting pictures of each other and they're saying things like, you know, this is where we fall in love. This is the best day of my life or blah, blah, blah. And she even says that about the wedding day. She's like, it was still the greatest day of my life and I'll remember it forever. But one of the other girls that is with like this dick on the show, she's posting pictures of herself and she's like, Oh, here's the behind the scenes of our girls night out. Or like, here's the day we were on the beach in my outfit I wore. And I was like, that's what makes me think it's different is like some of the girls only post themselves. And so there's a couple on here and this is some lady listener inside info. One of our follow, one of our readers, our Alexa Rowley readers messaged me because I said something about love is blind. And she was like, Oh, my husband's boss. My, my husband is one of the guys boss at work. Like one of the guys on the show. I was like, no shit. And she was like, yeah. She's like, we're trying to get all the dirt. <laughs> and I was like, please tell me everything, you know, it's weird. Cause you can't get into these little nooks. There's mm-hmm. a podcast in which I will not name mm-hmm. that snuck into, you know, the, um, sister wife show. Yeah, yeah. They snuck into one of the weddings that just happened and gave all the tea. They uh-huh. called. So everybody knows they're on Everybody's going to know. And they kind of knew when the wedding was. So they called and pretended they called the wrong. They called one of the bridesmaids or groomsmen or whatever mm-hmm. and pretended that they were trying to reach another one of the groomsmen. So like. They knew they were who they were calling, but they asked about another bridesmaid. They're like, oh, our time to reach such and such. We have to deliver this package for the wedding. And they were uh-uh. like, oh, okay. And then they gave the information on the wedding. And so then oh they showed up. God. And then they kind of like took note of everything. And then They didn't get kicked all. out of the wedding? No. Because nobody's supposed to know who was there and not there. Yeah. Crap like that. So they gave tea because... The show was like almost a year and a half behind, and one oh, of the wives was left. So this person was telling like all the um, like who, who was set by who, who mm. was talking to who, who gave speeches, how were the kids acting, were okay. all the kids in attendance, kind of tea. Oh shit! Everybody's gonna want to know this podcast now. <laughs> so it's like- super on the download. If you want to know that bad you can i am and i'll give you okay the so thing. but i'm not gonna blast up. it out because like i said it this gets out about this mm-hmm. it, we don't want to get shut down yeah so it's only like if you really want to know stuff but you're not going <laughs> to spill it everywhere okay got it got it so anyways that's my love is blind update so far and then i can't wait there's a couple on this season that i absolutely adore they're an alexa rally couple for sure and so the i can't wait girl? yes i the can't curvy wait curvy girl I'm yes quote unquote quote she's unquote like a 10 yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah curvy compared to everybody else on that show but yeah so anyways i can't wait to see what they what they do on it so Anywho's, um, I have a lady listener email I want to read too. Okay. Alrighty. Um, let's see. Hey, lady DJs. First off, I want to apologize for the long email, but I felt inspired to reach out after hearing Leah say a few times how she liked to reach out to companies slash places when she feels they've done something right. So here's my thank you email. 
I've been reading Alexa Riley for a while now. Coach was my first, but definitely not my last. And I was so excited to hear about the podcast. I don't know why it took me so long, but I only just started listening about a month ago, like a fan favorite trope. It was Insta love. <laughs> this is recently too. This is in October. Um, this year has been one of the hardest years of my life. I'm 31 and in March, I essentially had a mental breakdown. I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, and it was the worst feeling in the world. While I'm not quote over it and quote, um, I did start getting the help I needed with therapy and medication. Now, why is this relevant? Because listening to your podcast has made me, has made such a positive impact on me. You speak so openly about your lives and your own struggles with depression and anxiety. Your words and stories have made it easier for me to speak up in therapy. I've actually told my therapist about you and how you inspire me to speak out more. There have even been a couple of times when you put into words what I haven't been able to voice, and it's such a huge impact. <laughs> you said before that it still surprises you that people listen to the podcast. I may be late in the game, but trust me when I say you have gained a loyal listener. If you've read this far, thank you for taking the time. You both are so inspiring, and I'm so glad I decided to finally tune in. Love, L. I won't say her full name. And she said, P.S., not sure if you're still seeking historical romance suggestions, but here are a few of my faves. Joanna Shoup, Sarah McLean, and Elizabeth Hoyt. So there you go. If anybody wants uh, some historical romance recommendations. But I love that email. I do, I thought that was so sweet. Um, you know, that's something that I just, I, I hope if anybody takes something away from this podcast, it's that you're truly not alone in what you feel. And, oh man, therapy is amazing. Mental I health is a priority. I know the last podcast we talked about how different it is from when we grow up, grew up mm -hmm. that today's age, we talk about this kind of shit. It's yeah, yeah. That it's there and spoken about and people are giving, the more people speak about it, the more people come out about it and get mm -hmm. help that they need. Absolutely. Yeah. And the more, the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it. So yeah. Let's keep talking I mean, about it. Yeah. I don't know what I would do without my antidepressant. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? Me either. Without my medication, without my therapist. And my therapist actually emailed me the other day because I had to cancel my appointment when my dad went to the hospital. And I was like, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. You know, and she emailed me that she was like, I'm just thinking about you. I hope everybody's okay your way. Just let me know if you need anything. And I was like, I know she's my therapist and she's supposed to ask that stuff, but it was just really nice to hear from her, you know? Yeah. Shout out, Ashley, in case you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Lizzie Eden. So you're about to hear the second installment of One Scott Deal, but I'm going to remind you to enter this week's giveaway for signed paperbacks of Everything Be Everything's Better series. And she has bonus love notes from Paradise Summer, which is the swag box. Um, all of her books take place in the same universe. So if you love one Scott deal, you will also love bear with me, B E A R. It's the first book in the shifter escape series. Audiobook lovers can check out her audiobooks, cherishing the goddess in blonde date with a book boyfriend. Her entire backlist is in KU. So also if you love listening to one Scott deal, the ebook will be available, um, right now you can grab it in Amazon on KU. So. Um, her new release that's coming up or that just came out is Everything's Better with Abby. 
It's the first book in her Everything's Better series, and it's free. So make sure you get that. All of it will be in the show notes for you guys. Yes, everything will be down in the show notes, so make sure you check that out. Um, and I think that's it for now. I guess we'll send them into the second installment. Yeah, we'll see you guys on the other side. Bye. Five. Sam. Is that blood on your shirt? Ella asked as I made my way up north on I-95. Yes. Is it yours? Some of it. Were those gunshots I heard? Yes. From your gun? Yes. Did you kill the, um, intruder? I tried. They got away. Where are you taking me? Somewhere safe. But where exactly? I need to tell Joe, my agent, my manager. I have a hair appointment with Serge, and he's booked a year in advance. If I told you it wouldn't be safe, and you're not going to be in contact with anyone until I know who's behind this. Well, how long will that take? I don't have any clothes. My medication, my makeup bag, my skincare routine. I have a schedule, appointments, obligations. I growled in frustration before I swerved off of the road, put the car in park, and glared at her. Listen, someone gained access to your apartment with the intent to kill you. It wasn't some obsessed stalker or deranged fan. This person was highly skilled and organized, a professional. And if they were able to get in the penthouse under my nose, they had help. Help? She whispered as the realization dawned. You think someone I know? She paused, and her eyes welled with tears. Is trying to kill me? It looks that way. She turned her head to face the window and I could see the tears flowing down her cheeks in the reflection. As big a pain in my ass that Ella Scott had been for the past three months, seeing her in the smallest amount of pain killed me. But at least she was finally taking this threat seriously, and she was quiet for the rest of the ride, so that was an added bonus. She was silent as I lifted the two overstuffed duffel bags out of the trunk and guided her into the house. What is this place? She whispered as we entered the foyer. This is my house. This is huge. You live here by yourself? I don't live anywhere, really. I began to flip on the lights, but I grew up in the house. You grew up in this house? Yeah, I responded. Are you hungry? I'll go into town and get fresh groceries tomorrow, but everything in the house is going to come out of a can until then. I'm not hungry she whispered. I'm just tired. I grabbed the two duffel bags and guided her up the stairs to the largest bedroom in the house. This will be your room. I dropped the bags on the bed. There are extra blankets in the closet. There's an ensuite with a shower and a bathtub. My room is right next door if you need me. She didn't say a word, but instead stared at the luggage on the bed. What's in those bags? She said in a low voice. I had some bags packed for you in case of an emergency. She gave me a bemused look and unzipped the first bag and inspected its contents. After she rifled through the second bag, she turned to me with tears in her eyes, clutching an old and familiar book to her chest. How long have you had this? Tonight. I reached up to grab the back of my neck, which had become suddenly hot. I knew it was important to you. And if you were going to have to be away for a while. Tears fell from her eyes, 
and she didn't bother to wipe them away. Thank you. She held the worn copy of Wuthering Heights away from her body to look at it before clutching it to her chest again. I wanted to respond but had no words. Instead, I nodded and left the room. I stood outside her door until I heard the shower hiss to life. So, did you kill the fucker? Michaels hissed in between crackles. I wish, I gritted. My sat phone was balanced between my ear and shoulder while I cleaned and bandaged the deep gash an inch below my ribs, made by a hunting knife intended for Ella. The realization made my chest tighten. I hit him, though, so at least there'll be a DNA sample. Are the cops checking the hospitals? Yeah, but this guy's smarter than that. So you're sure it's a dude? Pretty sure. I need you to use your connections at the FBI to ID that sample. I think someone close to her is involved, but I need to figure out who this fucker is so I can connect them. Can you do that? For you, man, of course. Let me make a few calls. Thanks, man. How's Tehran? It's the desert, dude. It's hot. He chuckled. A noise behind me made me turn. Hold on, I whispered. Ella stood in the doorway of my bathroom, wringing her hands. She was no longer trying to taunt me with nightwear that might as well be lingerie. She wore a matching set of baggy silk purple pajamas with long pants and sleeves. She'd even buttoned every button. Let me call you back, I whispered, and dropped the phone onto the bathroom counter. Are you okay? She walked into the bathroom. Her eyes were glued to the bandages on my torso. I'm fine. How are you? Alive because of you. My job is to protect you. Ella was silent for a moment. Then, without warning, she stepped into my arms and hugged me. My knife wound was screaming from the pressure, but I willed myself not to move because I didn't want to do anything to scare her off. Plus, let's face it, the feeling of Ella Scott in my arms was worth a couple of busted stitches. I froze when I felt her press a kiss to my chest. Ella, I whispered, we can't. Sam, I almost died tonight at the hands of an assassin that could have been sent by someone I trust. I'm scared, confused, and exhausted, and I just want to be held, please. Ella, I protested, but did nothing to extricate her from my torso. I'm not. I wanted to tell her that I wasn't the kind of guy who holds or comforts people. But as the thought was winding around my brain, I felt my arms wrap around her back and pull her into me. I know I've been a real bitch to you, and I'm sorry. You're the only person who made me feel safe through all this, and I treated you like shit. I feel like I'm going insane. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I don't even know who I am anymore. She dissolved into sobs. Shh. I'll never let anyone hurt you. I whispered into her ear as I stroked her hair. I winced in pain as I reached down and slid one of my arms under her knees and lifted her into my arms. She let out a contented sigh when I lowered her onto the mattress and covered her with a duvet. I leaned away to leave the room and let her rest when I felt her clutch my forearm. Don't leave me, she whispered. I didn't. Six. Ella. My eyes fluttered open 
to find the intense green eyes of Sam Tyler staring back at me. Hi, I whispered. His look had the usual effect of making me feel completely exposed, despite knowing I was still wearing my silk pajamas. How are you feeling? he asked. Better, I said on a sigh, before pulling back the duvet to expose his blood-stained bandage. Did I do this? I'm sorry. I tried to climb out of bed to grab the first aid kit when Sam gently took me by the wrists and lowered me onto his chest. It's fine, he said, and surprised me by pressing a kiss to my scalp and smoothing a palm over my back. Shit. He froze and tried to sit up. I apologize. I don't know why I did that. I should leave and... Sam. I smiled and used the palm of my hand to push him back onto the mattress. It's about damn time. I pressed our lips together before he had a chance to argue and slid my tongue over his. He kissed me back with intensity, and I wondered how long it had been since he'd been with someone. I could never remember a kiss feeling like this. It set every nerve ending in my body on fire and further ignited my insatiable craving for this man. After a few minutes of making out like the world's horniest virgins, Sam broke our kiss. Ella, I don't know what you want from me, but I'm not the kind of guy who sticks around. Never have been. My life doesn't have room for attachments. I made a promise to keep you safe. That includes keeping you safe from me. Now wasn't the time to tell Sam Tyler that I'd given some variation of that speech to every man I'd ever slept with. All I could focus on how much I wanted this man and how much we needed each other in this moment. You, I carefully straddled his waist, taking care to avoid his bandage, and leaned down to press a kiss to his lips. Really need to work on your dirty talk. That was terrible. For the first time in the three months that I'd known him, Sam Tyler laughed before grimacing in pain. Sorry. It's fine, he said, still smiling. He smoothed a large rough palm over my cheek. Sam, I don't want to marry you, squirt out a couple kids, and watch them run around a backyard with a white picket fence. Can we agree that the last 24 hours has been shitty for the both of us and we deserve a little release? I raised my eyebrows at him, waiting for a response that didn't come. Do you even think about lying to me because I'm sitting on the evidence? I wiggled my hips to grind myself on the massive erection pressing on my clit through our layers of clothes. Ella, he whispered. I shimmied backwards on his thighs and unbuckled his pants to free him from his boxers. Oh God, Ella. He moaned my name as I began to stroke him. If you want me to stop, I will, I whispered as I slid my body further down his legs until I was sitting below his knees. I leaned forward and pressed a gentle kiss to the flared tip of his cock. Do you want me to stop, Sam? I slid the entire head of his dick into my mouth and pressed the tip of my tongue into the opening. Fuck, Ella, he gritted through clenched teeth. Don't, don't stop. That was all I needed to hear. I climbed off of his legs and tugged off his pants and boxers. After positioning myself between his legs, I gripped the base of his shaft with one hand, cradled his balls with the other, and proceeded to give Sam Tyler the blowjob of his life. If he was the type of man to stick around, he'd definitely consider it after I was done with him. Not that I'd ever wanted that sort of thing with anyone. 
Definitely not with Sam Tyler, the man who'd spent the last three months keeping me safe, risked his life to make sure I had my grandmother's copy of Wuthering Heights and let me drool on his shoulder. A man like Sam Tyler would want a woman like me. I was far too broken. No one would want a woman like me. Fuck, I want you, Ella, Sam groaned as the opening of my throat closed around the head of his cock. I want you so fucking bad. In one fluid motion, he sat up, grabbed a handful of my hair, yanked me onto his mouth, while simultaneously rolling me underneath him. I was barely able to catch my breath before I felt him tugging at my pajama pants and panties. Sam, I panted, still breathless from his kiss, and so turned on I thought I might spontaneously combust from the anticipation. Your stitches! Fuck my stitches, he growled as he positioned himself on his belly between my legs. He must have been in an incredible amount of pain, but you wouldn't know it by the way he was devouring me like a starving man. He'd wrung three orgasms out of me before he climbed on top of me, teasing my still-sensitive clit with the head of his dick. Ella, I want to fuck you so badly that I can't think straight. I don't have any STIs, but I don't have any condoms, and I don't want to do anything that you don't want to or will regret. I don't have any STIs either, and I'm on the pill. Make love to me, Sam. Let's forget about everything else. It's just us. I flexed my hips upward, pushing him further into my body, eliciting a strained grunt. Fuck, you feel like heaven, he breathed as he sheathed himself in my heat in one slow stroke. My back arched in response, and a loud moan of pleasure tore itself from my chest. He started to fuck me slowly at first, then his strokes ramped up in speed and intensity, grinding our bodies together, causing more full-body spasms triggered by the overloaded bundle of nerves Sam had been worshipping with his mouth. God, oh my God, I screamed as Sam leaned down and sucked one of my nipples in his mouth after viciously tugging my pajama top open with one hand, sending buttons flying around the bed. He sunk his teeth in my areola before immediately soothing the bite with gentle licks and kisses. I fought the urge to wrap my legs around his waist and squeeze my thighs together as he pounded into me, driving me to the edge of ecstasy and sanity. My legs were shaking and my chest was heaving when I felt Sam's entire body clench and relax before he pressed his full weight onto mine, crushing me into the plush bedding. I wrapped my arms around his neck and raked my fingernails through his hair as his warm breath caressed my neck. His heartbeat slowly returned to normal, and he leaned up to face me, planting gentle kisses on my neck and chin. How are you feeling, beautiful? He stroked my cheek. Did I get carried away? His eyes were full of concern. You did, but I loved it. I leaned up and planted a kiss on his lips, but you owe me a new pair of pajamas. He threw back his head and laughed before wincing in pain and kissing me again. You keep fucking me like that, then I will buy you a fucking pajama factory. Seven. Sam. Ella Scott spent the following weeks waking me up with her sweet mouth wrapped around my dick. She fell asleep every night wrapped in my arms, naked and glowing with sweat, with my nose pressed into her hair. 
Against my better judgment, she convinced me to let her accompany me into town to purchase supplies. When she wasn't wearing expertly tailored designer gowns, false eyelashes, and multicolored hair extensions, she wasn't recognizable as Ella Scott, international superstar. She was Ella. Ella was a woman who laughed easily, stopped to pet dogs or talk to babies in town, and was a surprisingly good cook. I also discovered that the extensive library in her penthouse wasn't for show. Our weekly trips into town weren't complete without a stop at the local library, where she'd procure a stack of books that would spend the week reading while resting her feet in my lap in front of the fireplace, or while sipping a mug of hot tea while I chopped firewood. The week spent in my childhood home felt like a dream, filled with the type of happy memories that deserted these walls decades ago. Ella's wit and laughter breathed life into the house. It was a life that I couldn't allow myself to be fooled by the facade of afternoons getting my ass kicked in Scrabble and nights watching her come apart in my arms while I was buried deep inside her. She'd even introduced me to her mechanical friend, and I enjoyed playing her body like an instrument and pushing the boundaries of pleasure. As idyllic as our life was in this house that had previously brought me so much misery, there was real danger looming outside the house that I was no closer to uncovering. The cops were nowhere near solving the break-in, which didn't surprise me. But Michaels exhausted every contact he had to ID the DNA I shot out of the man trying to kill the woman I was falling in love with. Fuck. I was falling in love with Ella. There was no denying it. I probably started falling in love with her the moment I saw her step out of that closet. Ella deserved better than a man like me. Knowing that her smart mouth diva act was bullshit was one thing, but spending the last 23 days with the kindest, smartest, and sexiest woman I'd ever met was an entirely different ballgame. My feelings about Ella didn't matter. We'd been forced together by a mutual threat. Once that threat was neutralized, she'd go back to the glamorous life of a superstar, and I'd go back to living out of a rucksack a life devoid of complications. She'd even said that she wasn't interested in a relationship. Sam, I don't want to marry you, squirt out a couple kids, and watch them run around a backyard with a white picket fence. We were spending the last few weeks comforting each other and killing time. So why is it that the more time I spend with Ella Scott, the more those words feel like a knife in the chest? So we've been here for three weeks, and you've never told me anything about this house. Ella tilted her head up on my chest to look at me with her giant brown eyes and sex-must dark hair. Or told me anything about your childhood. I bet you were an adorable little boy. I was. I chuckled and kissed her, a very adorable little boy. I knew it, she giggled, and brushed her fingertips over the scar on my abdomen. So... Why aren't there any pictures of you or your parents? I inhaled a deep breath and blew it out. To call my past my least favorite subject would be the understatement of the century. Ella made me feel safe, despite my role as her protector. Plus, when she blinked those big chestnut-hued eyes at me and raised her eyebrows in anticipation of my response, it was impossible to deny her any request. Yeah, I was fucked. My childhood wasn't a happy one, I began. 
Ella turned her nude body towards mine and squeezed her arms around my chest. My father died when I was young, and my mother remarried a man named Sterling Winchester. Wait, Sterling Winchester? The real estate billionaire? Her head perked up. Yeah, that was him. He was a cruel man, and he made my life a living hell until I joined the military to get away from him. I'm so sorry. What about your mother? Where is she? My chest tightened, and Ella soothed me with a kiss. She died 15 years ago. Her official cause of death was an accidental fall, but I trailed off, feeling my eyes sting with guilty tears. You think he was responsible? She asked. I know he was, but we could never prove it. His first wife also died as a result of an accidental fall. He sketched air quotes. He played the part of the grieving husband well. He shocked the hell out of me when he left me everything in his will when he dropped dead ten years ago. Wait, he left you everything? She picked her head up. I sold and donated most of his assets. But I kept this house as a reminder of what happens when you let down the people who depend on you to protect them. Sam. She sat up fully to face me and wrapped the sheet around her breasts. You know your mother's death wasn't your fault. I should have been here, Ella, I gritted. She shook her head at me. I knew he had a temper and could say some cruel shit when he was angry, but I never imagined he would hurt her like that. I should have known. She left the bed, letting the sheet slip off of her nude body as she crossed the bedroom. The battered copy of Wuthering Heights was in her hand when she returned. Do you know why this book was important to me? I shook my head. My mother was an addict. She indulged in a lot of vices, but her drug of choice was attention. She wanted to be famous, and it didn't work out for her. When I came along, she saw me as her second chance. I booked my first job at nine months old, and I've been working nearly every day since. She gave me a watery smile and clutched the book harder. The more famous I got, the more power-hungry and abusive she became. Long hours on shoots, painfully restrictive diets, and being dragged to nightclubs before I was old enough to drive were commonplace. I learned to never complain because anything this industry could throw at me was nothing compared to my mother's wrath. She would frequently throw wild parties filled with things no child should ever see. And I'd spent most of the night hiding in my closet, waiting for the music and loud voices to stop. She held up the book for emphasis. But there was one bright spot. When I was about four, my mother suffered a cocaine overdose. She lost custody of me, and I was sent to live with my grandmother. For four years, I had a normal life. I went to school, I could eat whatever I wanted. I even had birthday parties attended by my actual friends and not the children of people my mother wanted to impress. I met Joe. They were called Josie back then and they were my best friend. More tears spilled and I wiped them away with my thumb. My mother got clean and fought for custody. She won and soon everything went back to the way it was before. Auditions, photo shoots, and hiding in closets but worse somehow because I knew exactly what I was missing. My grandmother stayed in my life as much as my mother would allow her, which wasn't much, but she made sure Joe and I kept in touch and even paid for them to fly to visit me a few times. 
When Joe's family kicked them out of their house as a teenager, my grandmother took them in. As soon as Joe turned 18, I moved them out to L.A., and they've been by my side ever since. Before I left her home, she gave me this book and told me to read it as a reminder of how easily hatred and vengeance can destroy a person. She could have told me to look at my mother to learn that lesson. Ella let out a mirthless chuckle. She made me promise her that I would never let the actions of others turn me into a person like my mother or Heathcliff. She opened the book and ran her fingertips over the inscription on the title page, scribbled in blue ink. I don't know if I've kept that promise. God knows I've tried, but it's been really fucking hard, she sniffled. Over the years, I slowly gained control over my career until I could finally cut my mother out of my life completely. She wrote a tell-all book that bombed, and she died of liver disease the night I won my first Grammy. And your grandmother. She lived with me and Joe in L.A. for a few years until she passed away. She was so proud of my success. Of course, I said. You're pretty amazing. Yeah, you say that now. She chuckled and shook her head. I've always thought that. I smiled at her, and she rewarded me with a kiss. I didn't tell you that story so you could feel sorry for me. I told you that story because I finally understand what my grandmother was trying to tell me. Our pasts, as fucked up as they may be, don't define who we are as people or what kind of lives we can have. We do. She cupped my face in her hands. Your stepfather and my mother were horrible human beings. But they're not here, and we are. We can decide what kind of life we want. Ella, what are you saying? I sat up to look her in the eye, and my heart pounded. I'm saying that... A noise outside drew my attention, and I held up a finger, causing her to stop mid-sentence. What, Sam? What's going on? Eight. Ella. Did you tell anyone where you were? He asked as he climbed out of bed and slid into the pair of pants discarded on the bedroom floor. Of course not, I retorted. Did you call anyone? Well, last week I called Joe to let them know I was safe, but I didn't tell them where I was. Shit, Ella, he groaned. How did you call Joe? I used a payphone in town, but I told them not to tell anyone and... Wait, you think Joe is trying to kill me? I laughed incredulously and climbed out of bed. Did you listen to any of the depressing fucking story I told you? Joe would never hurt me. Well, someone is outside the house, and I doubt they're here selling Girl Scout cookies. He raised an eyebrow at me before pulling a gun out of the nightstand drawer. I'm glad you finally decided to develop a sense of humor, I quipped and shrugged into one of his oversized t-shirts and stepped into a pair of panties. But you're wrong about Joe. Maybe it was your friend that you've called a million fucking times since we've been here. Michaels is over 6,000 miles away, and he's been helping me figure out who wants you dead. He checked the window locks before creeping towards the bedroom door. Well, he's doing a bang-up job, isn't he? I crossed my arms over my chest and shouted across the room. Sam answered me with a glare and a head shake before leaving the room. I ran to the door and locked it before grabbing my crystal-encrusted bat and sitting on the bed. 
Sam was gone for a long time, but I reasoned that it was a big house and it would take time to go outside to find out that a squirrel or a beaver made the noise he heard. Then he'd have to come back here and admit my best and only friend in the world wasn't trying to have me killed. I tried to push the thoughts of Joe's possible betrayal out of my mind and began pacing the room. It wasn't possible. As I was pondering all of the possible reasons Joe would want me dead, including the time in the third grade when I told a boy they had a crush on that they had an extra butthole, I heard the door handle rattle. For a split second, I was flooded with relief, until I realized that the someone who was trying to enter that room couldn't have been Sam. Sam had a key to the bedroom. He always kept it on him. I have a gun and I will shoot you, I shouted in a tone that made it obvious that I didn't have a gun, and if I did, I'd be more likely to accidentally shoot myself with it. I looked around the room for a decent hiding place and decided to use the option that had never failed me. The door crashed open as I started to sprint towards the closet, and I skidded to a stop. If I kept running, I would have run right into them. I gripped the handle of the bat and took a step back, trying to create distance. I had never seen this man before in my life. He was tall and muscular. He had a military haircut like Sam's, though the weeks at the house had left Sam Tyler with a shaggy mess of curls and a beard. He was dressed in all black and holding a giant knife. Was it the same knife that Sam was stabbed with almost a month ago? My thoughts went to Sam, and I hoped he was okay. I stared at the intruder for a long moment before he spoke, startling me. Make this easy for me, and I'll make it quick, he said in a deep voice, taking a step towards me, and I swear a little pee came. I tightened my grip on the bat, and my hands shook. Is this about money? I squeaked, and tears filled my eyes. Because I have money. Whatever Joe paid you, I can double it, triple it. Please, don't do this. Who the fuck is Joe? He growled and furrowed his brow in confusion. This isn't about you. It's fucked up that you have to become a casualty, but every war has collateral damage. What the fuck are you talking about? I screamed. Why do you want me dead? To punish the guilty. The guilty? War? The fuck? Okay. I tried to keep my voice calm. I'd read enough shitty screenplays and true crime documentaries to know that villains love to monologue. The crazier they were, the more they loved the sound of their insane ramblings. If I could keep him talking, I could buy myself time to think of a plan or give Sam time to rescue me, if he could rescue me. Who is the guilty? Your thieving boyfriend and his whore of a mother. Sam? I whispered, slowly backing towards the window, this is about Sam? I was relieved when he didn't take an advancing step. Why is Sam a thief? Because he stole my life. He gritted through clenched teeth. My mother worked for the Winchesters for years, scrubbing their floors and doing their laundry. Then Mr. Winchester fell in love with my mother. She told me that if he wasn't married, that he would marry her and be my new father. We would live in this giant house. We could stop struggling. Now wasn't the time to tell Stabby McWarmonger that every married douchebag gives their mistress the same bullshit if only I wasn't married speech. Instead, I focused on appearing interested in his batshit story, 
while slowly creeping towards the window. So, one day while my mother and Sterling were occupied, I crept upstairs and called for Mrs. Winchester. I pretended to have hurt myself. When she bent down to check on me, I gave her a quick shove down the stairs, and that was it. Holy shit. Blood rushed to my ears, and my heart felt like it was trying to escape my body through my throat. The window was so close. A little further. Focus, Ella. Sterling, my mother and I were supposed to live happily ever after, but instead, he met Sam's mother and fired my mother. He also forced her to sign an NDA in exchange for payout and threatened to blackball her if she refused. Jesus Christ, Sam's stepfather was a piece of shit, but I definitely didn't want to die for his sins. The lump in my throat grew. The air behind me was chillier, and the distance between me and this intruder had grown considerably. My mother had enough money to never work again, but she never got over that miserable piece of shit. I found her body on the day of Sterling's wedding. While everyone in the fucking world was celebrating the event of the year, I was burying the only person in this world who gave a damn about me. I was sent to live with my aunt and uncle in Pennsylvania. That fucking wedding was all over the news for weeks. Almost every damn day I was bombarded with images of the piece of shit who'd stolen my life. That was terrible, I said in what I hoped was a calming voice. What happened to you was terrible. But you don't have to let the choices made by your mother and Sterling define who you are. You have the power to make new choices. I doubted the same epiphany would have any effect on this man who was clearly too far gone to listen to reason. But it did give me the time I needed to take the final step towards the window. I took a deep breath and swung the bat into the large pane of glass as hard as I could and said a silent prayer. Come get me, Sam. You fucking bitch. You're gonna regret that. He lunged forward and began to charge across the room. The distance gave me a split-second advantage. I sprinted away from him, running across the bed, knocking over as many pieces of furniture as I could, sending drawers and their contents flying all over the room in an effort to make even more noise and buy myself time. My hard work paid off when my savior filled the doorway, his chest heaving and his eyes blazing with anger. Sam, I screamed, and my shoulders sagged in relief. The momentary distraction was enough for my assailant to grab me around the waist and hold his knife to my throat. A little more pee came out. Michaels, Sam shouted. Man, what the fuck are you doing? Michaels, I rasped in a strained whisper, feeling the serrated edge of the blade press into my throat. You're Michaels? Now was not the time to mention that I was right. But if I managed to somehow survive this, Sam had the biggest I told you so in history coming. I'm ruining your life, he sneered, spraying my neck in spit, while not the worst of my problems made my stomach lurch. The way you ruined mine. What the fuck? Sam took a step forward, causing Michaels to step backwards, making the knife bite into my skin. I whimpered and Sam froze. Look, man, we're brothers. We can work this out, whatever this is. Let Ella go. It's just us, man. We were never brothers. You and your bitch mother stole my life. It's time for revenge. My mother? Sam whispered. What the fuck does my mother have to do with this? 
The realization of what Michaels was hinting at made my knees weaken. Sheer force of will and not wanting to get decapitated kept me on my feet. His first wife also died as the result of an accidental fall. I prayed Sam wouldn't get to the realization as quickly as I did. At first, I was just going to frame you for her murder. But you actually care about this bitch, don't you? He hissed. Now, I'm glad you get to watch her die. Let her go, damn it, Sam gritted. The pain in his expression filled my eyes with tears. As much as I didn't want to die, the thought of Sam losing another woman he loves at the hands of this psycho seemed a lot worse. All this time, the letters, the break-ins, the needle. You think I give a fuck about an old washed-up actress? He scoffed. Okay, that was harsh and unnecessary. All that other shit was done by some whack job. After the needle incident, the studio contacted Sutherland for protection. Wright offered it to me, but I suggested you. It was fate. The opportunity I'd been waiting for since I was 12 years old fell into my lap. Didn't I tell you I would kill for this job? You don't have to do this. Let her go. You want someone dead? Kill me. I tried, motherfucker, he hissed. You shot me, remember? Which reminds me, give me your peace. Can't have you shooting me before the cops show up to arrest you for the kidnap and murder of America's sweetheart. Sam locked eyes with me, and the hurt made my heart ache. I mouthed the words, I'm sorry, I love you. He continued to pierce me with his gaze. What the fuck are you waiting for? Michael screamed. Gun now, or I gut her slowly, and you can listen to her scream. Sam nodded slowly and I noticed that him furrow his brow at something on the ground. Any person that hadn't been memorizing every line and feature of Sam Tyler's face for the last four months wouldn't have noticed. Sam had a plan. I had no idea what it was, but I knew that he intended to keep his promise not to let anyone hurt me. Okay. He began to slowly crouch to the floor, keeping one hand in the air and slowly reaching the other one behind his back, Take it easy. Safety on, Michaels gritted. Safety on, Sam repeated, followed by the faint sound of a click. He gently laid it on the floor. Slide it over, he commanded. Sam's gun went spinning across the floor. Michael stopped it with his boot before slowly bending down to pick it up. His grip on my neck loosened, and I felt the knife pull away from my neck. I used the opportunity to yank his arm away as hard as I could and dropped to the floor. The next thing I heard was a loud crack, followed by a grunt and something that sounded like a sack of potatoes hitting the floor behind me. Ella, Sam screamed. I turned my head to see him sprinting towards me before kicking the gun and knife away from Michael's prone body. He pulled me to my feet and I turned to face the figure sprawled out on the floor. He had landed flat on his back with his arms spread. There was a large red mark in the middle of his forehead, with a trickle of blood trailing in his hairline. My first thought was that Sam must have had a second gun stashed somewhere, when I noticed a large, purple, and very familiar item lying on the floor a few feet away, the base covered in blood. I whipped around to face Sam. Is that what I think it is? I asked him. I had to think fast, he shrugged, and knelt down to check Michaels for a pulse. 
Well, now you owe me new pajamas and a new vibrator. Sam laughed and pulled me into his arms and squeezed me as if he was afraid that I would disappear into thin air. Ella, he whispered in my ear as he stroked my hair. Yeah, I said, squeezing my arms around his body and holding on for dear life. I love you too. Nine. Epilogue. Sam. I hate you, Ella gritted and squeezed my hand harder. I know. I leaned down and brushed my lip across her knuckles. But you're doing great. Fuck you, she replied before letting out an ear-splitting squeal. Elle, you're a fucking rock star. You're so close. Joe patted my wife's shoulder and she rewarded them with a cross between a smile and grimace. I tried not to take it personally. Joe. Are you sure it's too late for an epidural? She panted, clutching her best friend's arm. Did you tell them that I was famous and that my husband's a billionaire? They know, baby, I said. She answered me with a glare. Now wasn't the time to remind my wife that while I was still pretty wealthy, I'd given away enough of my stepfather's wealth to lose my billionaire status, which suited me. Sterling Winchester's greed had ruined too many lives. It was time for it to do some good. Ethan Michaels was already en route to the hospital, handcuffed to a stretcher, when Ella told me the truth about my mother's death. I'm not sure what I would have done if I'd had that information while Ella and I waited with Michaels' unconscious body for law enforcement. It's probably why she waited to tell me, and one of the many reasons why I love her. She didn't want vengeance to turn me into a monster, like the man I thought was my best friend. In addition to murdering Sterling Winchester's first wife and my mother, he murdered Ella's real stalker to keep him from being apprehended and ruining his plan. He was a mentally ill fan that was angry that Ella kept postponing her album. Sterling Winchester's body is scheduled to be exhumed to investigate the possibility that his death was also a result of Michael's obsession. I tried to prevent it, preferring to let the past rest. Michaels suffered irreversible brain damage from the blow to the head from Ella's vibrator and was destined to live out his years in a state-run facility for the mentally impaired. That was until I paid to have him move to someplace nicer. It was more than the man who murdered my mother deserved, but I did it for the 12-year-old kid who also had the misfortune to cross paths with Sterling Winchester. He'd allowed his entire life to be dictated by getting revenge for his past, instead of focusing on his future. I'd almost done the same thing until I walked into Ella Scott's closet and she walked out with my heart. Okay, Ella, it's time to push. Katie, our midwife, crouched between my wife's open legs. You can do this. No, I can't. I can't do this. She turned to me. The big brown eyes that made me look forward to every sunrise were filled with fear. Sam, I can't. I leaned down and kissed her sweaty forehead. Sweetheart, you are the strongest and bravest person I know. You faced down a highly trained assassin. I did, she nodded, her chest rapidly rising and falling. You're a lot tougher than I am, and I went through Navy SEAL training. I know you can do this. You can do anything. Okay. She took a deep breath and nodded. I can do this. 
but I'm never having sex with you again. Does this mean I can finally get through a shower without being accosted by my horny wife? She answered me with another glare before she tightened her grip on my hands, screwed up her face, and let out a loud grunt. Five pushes later, our daughter was born. We named her Virginia Rose Tyler, after my mother and Ella's grandmother. This has been One Scott Deal by Lucy Eden, read for you by Mackenzie Cartwright. Welcome back. Welcome back, lady listeners. Thank you so, so, so much to Lucy Eden for One Scott Deal for allowing us to put an audiobook. It was just absolute perfection. It just fit the podcast so perfectly. It was like we could have literally not asked for something more perfect on the podcast. So thank you. We have a break coming up next week. So it's Thanksgiving. We're going to hang out with our family. Is that really Thanksgiving? Shit, yeah. It is. I know when you said oh that. Oh, my I was like, God. I was like, why do we have a break? That's weird. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So it's Thanksgiving. Damn, time is flying. After that, we have a couple of books before the end of the year. I think there are one, two, three, four more to be exact. So after Thanksgiving, you're going to get Trisha Wolf, Marriage and Madness, Angela Marie Hart, New You Were Mine. Katie Wilde, The Stoneheart Bride. By the way, that cover that Katie Wilde had, it is gorgeous. I can't wait to see that one. Um, and then you've got Alexa Riley. We're finishing out the year with Stalking the Secret Baby, which sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Every time I say a picture of baby stalking someone. I picture somebody stupid. stalking a baby. <laughs> think about it like that. <laughs> It's so stupid. It's the dumbest title, and I love it. It makes me giggle every single time. I love it. I, I think it's funny that nobody even says anything to me. Like, sometimes no. when I send some of these books to edit no. or a cover mm -hmm. or a title, of a, they don't even say anything. No. Like, okay. It's like, yep, yeah, that's the name of it. All right, you <laughs> dumbasses. Like, that's literally it. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Oh, God. All right. All right. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read, read me romance.